the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. I have a question for you. If you're a Christian, are you enjoying being a Christian? Are you? See, being a Christian is a matter of being. We act oftentimes like it's a matter of becoming. But you only need to become once, right? And then you be. (laughs) That's what you do. We are, as Christians have been given the liberty to be and have been freed from becoming. The world's all about becoming. Everybody's about trying to become something, to be affirmed in what they're trying to become. And even when they arrive by their own definition, they have not arrived. And there's no freedom and there's no liberty. What we have been given, the gift of this life that each of us should embrace and literally live out and own to the fullest is a gift of the full life of Christ, complete life of Christ. You know, every other religion out there, you start from way over here and work your way to God. We have the only faith where we start with God. We're not working our way to God. We start with Him. And by faith we live out of Him. Now we're in the sixth chapter of Romans, and and in that section Paul is talking to these new Christians in Rome, and he's teaching them a little something about sanctification. Well, let me tell you, uh, many of us, grown up in the church, have heard that word said over and over again. I'll tell you what my emotional definition of sanctification was. Becoming a Christian. Sanctification is the process whereby I become a Christian. That is not sanctification. Sanctification is the process by which I learn to be what I've already become. That's what sanctification is. The dictionary defines sanctification as to make holy, set apart as sacred, consecrate. Listen, if you are a child of God... 
He took you unto himself. He recreated you in his very image and gave you the capacity to experience all that he is, that you might share an intimate life with him. And he says, this is holy and consecrated and set apart unto me. That is what he said about each and every one of you if you're a child of God. You've been consecrated. You have been sanctified. Now, the issue is letting the soul in on it. <laughs> the mind, will, and emotions. And letting the body in on it. The very expression of who we are. The manifestation of what we believe ourselves to be. The work of sanctification is really a work of faith. Where we appropriate the truth of the life that we have. Where we begin to live out the reality of the new birth. Where we start from the core of who we are. And we believe and affirm it by faith in the mind, will and emotions. And then by faith we go forward and act it out. In me, in my very core, there is a heart that is pure. And it is a join to love itself. And that heart says, I love you. Now, my soul may have an argument, but if I yield to the truth, you know, Ephesians says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, let's fill that soul with the truth. I love you. And then I embrace it. I appropriate it. And I can walk up to you with this body, lend it as an instrument of righteousness, whereby God expresses His love to you and wrap my arms around you and say, I love you. Well, you know what that is? That is sanctification all the way through. Spirit, soul, and body. The full expression of Christ. That's what we've been called to. That's what we've been called to. Now, we're not called to become a Christian. We're called to be a Christian. And we're called to live out being a Christian in the mind, will, and emotions. And we're called to act out and manifest being a Christian in the body. And last week, in Romans 6, Paul talked about sanctification of the body. That's where we literally lend our bodies... As instruments of righteousness, which means our bodies become tools to illustrate God's character. Because that's what righteousness is. Our bodies are yielded to be tools to illustrate God's character. Now right now we have this screen up here and it puts the words up there. And it is a tool by which we show you the words to the song. Your body is to be an instrument, a tool, a display, a PowerPoint, a manifestation of the truth of who you are. And so often we allow it to be a tool to illustrate who we're not. Because we allow the soul to put forth a lie, to embrace a lie. The world tells us that we are less our failures tells us that we are losers and we're not worthy. The enemy tells us that we can't measure up. Our pride tells us that we can make it on our own, independently of God. Our bitterness tells us we can reject. And that's what the soul embraces. And guess what? That embrace turns into a snub. That embrace turns into a cold back. God doesn't intend. Because I want to tell you something. 
the purpose of God working the truth of who we are at the core, at the center of who we are, working it out through the soul and the body, is that we may be the full expression of what He has made us to be. And that, that is the abundant life. That is the blessing. That is the promise. That is Christ, the Word, become flesh in you. That is the enemy's greatest fear that you might embrace the fullness of that. As I said last week, we looked at Paul talking about the sanctification of our bodies, and that was in verses 12 through 14 we looked at. Today we're going to look at uh, verses 15 through 18 of chapter 6 of the book of Romans. And verses 15 through 18, I want you to remember that Paul... And we say Paul, but we know it's the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God, through Paul, is addressing new Christians in the city of Rome. And he's literally going to recover some of the territory that he's covered before concerning who they are. What you're going to see in the epistles of Paul, because it is the intention of the Spirit of God, is a continual reminder of who you are. It's going to be Him telling you over and over again what God has done in you and why you should live it out. This is the process of bringing you into the work of sanctification. Embracing it. Owning it. Listen, you know why there are so many defeated Christians out there? Because they're convinced... That they received Christ in their hearts, which really is the center of their being. They've received Christ into their spirits. they become a new creation. But God is going to have to superimpose His righteousness on the soul and the body. And they're waiting around while they live out of the flesh for that to happen. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. You grow in truth and your life becomes a picture of Christ's life as you live this life by what? Faith. Faith is the bridge that takes us beyond just knowing about Jesus to knowing Him through, through our mind, knowing Him through our bodies, knowing Him through our spirit, knowing Him intimately and fully, knowing Him in the relationships, knowing Him in the circumstances, knowing Him as His child. Faith takes us beyond just becoming a Christian, just calling ourselves a Christian. Just one day going to heaven takes us so far beyond it. And you know what? Think about it. What did God create us for? To have an army? He's got that in the angels. Because he wanted somebody to do what he'd tell them to do? That's worked out well. How'd that work with your kids? What did God create us for? He created us for intimacy. We say fellowship, but I'm going to tell you, when God says fellowship, it goes way beyond what we think fellowship means. It's a joining of His life and ours. That's what He created us for. And in order for us to be able to enter into that, we have to go through this process of giving up on the idea that we could ever live any other way, that we were ever created to live any other way as Christians. We were created for Him. The first part of these verses, and we read, I'm going to start in verse 14 in order to give context. But the question seems to be, 
What is my relationship to the practice of sin? And I want to tell you something. That is a question every Christian asks. It's a question that we all ask. What is my relationship to the occasional practice of sin? Because nobody in here has perfect behavior, and if I'm misspeaking, you let me know. But nobody in here has perfect behavior. The reason that question comes up is so often, and we'll get into this more in Romans 7, but so often our mind and our will and our emotion and our actions are contrary to the truth within us. That happens occasionally. But the the truth is it happens, doesn't it? And we ask the question, how does that relate to who I am? What is my relationship to this sin? Well, the enemy is ever at the work of trying to convince us that that failure in our lives is a reflection of who we are. And this idea is really stated in these verses. Now, let's look at that. Verse 14. I'm going to read verse 14 and 15. For sin, this is Paul speaking to these new Christians. He says, for sin shall not any longer. There's been a change. Exert dominion over you, since now you are not under law as slaves, but under grace as subjects of God's mercy and favor. Verse 15. What then are we to conclude? Shall we sin because we live not under law, but under God's favor and mercy? And again, the question in verse 15 has to do with occasional sin. It's not about a life of sin. In other words, shall we propose to sin occasionally since we no longer live under the law, but under grace? The law reveals and punishes the sinner, and grace reveals and secures the saint. That's the two differences. Now what you've got right there is two different habitations. Look at it. One lives under sin, under the law. The other lives under grace. Two different habitations. Two different states of being. Two different people. That's what we're talking about here. You can't be in two places at the same time. The truth is that the liberty of grace is not a license to sin, but the freedom not to sin. And verses 14 and 15 tells us that Christians no longer live under the law, that is, in the captivity of sin, to be judged, to be punished by the law. But they are living under grace. That is, we have been born again into righteousness. And grace is not something that's just administered to us from time to time. It is where we live. The very fact that we have Christ as our life, that we are new creations, is a work of grace. And we live in that grace. The function, the work of Christ through us and to us is a work of grace. We live in grace. Now Paul is literally answering the critic's objection to his assertion that Christians no longer live under the law. And that's what this is about. And that word under actually means living under the power of, under the authority of, under the control of something or someone. But listen, no amount of sin for the Christian will remove him from living 
under grace. Did you hear me? No amount of sin removes the child of God from living under grace. These are two different habitations. And Paul is answering these critics. Now listen, there's a difference between the heart. There's a difference between the people who live under grace and the people who live under the law. This question would be posed by someone not living under grace. The Christian has a new nature, a new heart. We know that. The old has passed away. The Christian desires to live out the new nature. Do you know you have a desire to live out the truth of who you are? You have that desire. I don't care how often you fail at it. The fact that you even feel guilty about it should be a revelation of your heart. The Christian has a desire to live it out. The Christian is not actively looking for license to sin. Grace is for him. Grace is to him the freedom to know Christ in spite of the occasional failure and sin in his life. That's grace. He's not looking for an excuse to sin. He is literally wanting it to be obedient in his heart. That's his desire. And Paul's answer to this question is certainly not. Remember in Romans 6.2, we studied that a few weeks back. Romans 6.2, he answers it the same way. Certainly not. How can we who died to sin live in it any longer? In other words, two different people. I'm not that person anymore. How can I live to it? That's not who I am. The question is absurd. Yes, we occasionally sin, but it's not because we have once again entered into bondage to sin, that we have once again entered under the slavery of sin, that we have reverted back to what we were. It's because we've given way to the tempter. And immediately the enemy says, oh, there you go, you're all the way back to zero now. Listen, there is no ladder, there's no staircase that the Christian's climbing that as we climb we're getting closer to God and then we fail, we stumble down to start over again. Now that's the emotional perception, but that's just flat not the truth. The reality of it is that when we're in Christ, we're in Christ to stay. And if we fail, if we sin, then we're acting contrary to the truth of who we are. And it doesn't suit us. It doesn't work for us. This is just a matter of who you are. The question is absurd. We would not contemplate it. Look at Romans 6.16. Do you not know that if you continually surrender yourselves to anyone to do his will, you are the slave of him whom you obey, whether that be to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness, right doing and right standing with God. Now, Clearly, you're going to serve one or the other. Notice that you're not one of those two. We often think we're standing in ourselves, but we're not. We're either serving the enemy or we're serving God. And whether or not you're serving the enemy or serving God is a matter of birth. It's a matter of birth. You're either a slave to sin or you're born again unto obedience that leads to righteousness. Now, what this is speaking of is a habitual yielding of yourself to sin. That's what that verse is talking about. Continually surrendering yourself. This is a habitual yielding of yourself to another's will. A slave is bound by the will of the one he serves. 
to be completely under the control of the one he serves. This is also an obedience that has to do with the heart. This speaks of an obedience that the sinner has aligned his heart with sin. He has been born with a sin nature, and as he sins, he literally acts out who he is. Now that's full obedience. Do you know that the sinner is being obedient? That's a reality. Now, the saint, the child of God, is also made for obedience. Literally, he is made to be obedient to the unction and the will of the Father. He was literally made to live out the will of the Father. If you want to know what that looks like, read about the life of Christ in the book of John. But that's how we were made. One is born and out of Adam into sin. The other one is born out of Christ into obedience unto righteousness. Now those are two different people there. Now, Matthew 6.24, Jesus makes it plain. He says, No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will stand by and be devoted to the one and despise and be against the other. Now, what does that mean? For the Christian, and I've seen Christian, and he goes on to talk about the love of money, mammon, or riches. And I've seen Christians who've given themselves over to that. And you have too. And what would be the key word that you would describe them with? Bitter. Bitter. Christians that have given themselves over to riches are typically bitter. Now, I know there are godly Christians who are rich and haven't given themselves over to riches. But I'm talking about them that have. Because they will either love one and hate the other, or that's what they'll do. They'll love one and hate the other. And the bottom line is, they have not, they have not been able to change masters, but they're trying to serve a master who's not theirs. It makes them bitter. You ever been hired for a job that you were uniquely unqualified for? Now, every job I ever took, I think that was the case. But, you know, nothing will make you angrier than to be put into a position to fail. Really. It makes you bitter. You hate what you do. You've just been put in a position to fail. Every day you go, they go, here I go again. Once again, proving that I cannot do this. And you hate it. You become what? Bitter. Listen, Christian. When you decide that life is in something other than God, you decide to devote yourself to another master, you will reap bitterness and a sense of incompleteness and failure. I don't have to prove that to you. You've proven it to yourself. It goes on and on. Paul in verse 16 is not saying that we become a slave to sin after we've been born again. Rather, he is saying that we reveal who our master is by who we determine to habitually yield to. Also, in verse 16, he is not telling us that the work of obedience leads to righteousness, but that now, as a child of God, we have a heart that is yielded to God in obedience, and that will lead to a life that literally reveals the righteousness of God, expresses the character of God. Because righteousness is not what we do, it's a revelation of union life. Did you get that? 
Righteousness is not what we do. It is a revelation of union life. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For our sake, He made Christ virtually to be sin who knew no sin, so that in and through Him we might become endued with, viewed as being in, and examples of the righteousness of God, what we ought to be, approved and acceptable, and in right relationship with Him by His goodness. We're born to obedience. We are born to righteousness. Christians are free to obey. Obedience is just the affirmation of who we are. It doesn't make us who we are. Let me, let me just give you a ridiculous illustration. The eye. I have an eye that was made to be an eye. As long as it functions as an eye, it affirms the truth, the fact that it is an eye. You were made for Christ. As long as you function in the truth that you were made for Christ, that is the act of obedience. Not keeping the law, but literally living out that life that already kept the law, that already fulfilled the law. You are affirming the truth of who you are. I know a lot of Christians who are discouraged and lack faith, unbelieving. They, they just have a hard time with the fact that they're Christians, but they're constantly failing and the world is so corrupt and everything. Well, you know why? They are not doing anything to affirm the truth in them. Thank you for joining Pastor Todd Granger for His Life Revealed the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We hope today's message has encouraged you to yield to His life in every situation, rest in His life moment by moment, and receive from His life all that you need to show Christ in this world. If you'd like to know more, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. And you're invited to join us for worship services on Saturdays at 5 p.m., at 7015 Wurzbach Road. If you would like to help support this ministry, send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. And finally, this coming week, our hope is that the image of the invisible God would be visible in you. And remember, wherever you go, whatever you do, the hope of glory is Christ in you. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.